Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, so I'm so excited for today. Today is a great day as we continue summer at Valley Rise. We're so excited. Your kids are having a blast back there. They're getting pumped full of sugar. You're welcome, okay? You can put them in the backyard when you get home. Let them run it off, whatever you got to do. I've now started, my son's old enough when he has excess energy, I'm like, how many push-ups can you do? That's what my dad used to do to me. I'm one of five boys, so my dad would be like, we had it every night we did a thing called the push-up push-off, and you would sit down, you would, you would all get in a row, and you'd start doing push-ups, and, and whoever was last won. So the push-up push-off, I know what you're thinking, it paid off, and thank you. I'm just, <clears throat> thank you, pops. Um, hey, let's pray, we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for each and every person here, God. As we come to spend time with you, Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us. God, I pray that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words. I pray that your revelation would penetrate our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts like only you can. Pray that today we would get closer to you and closer to each other. Let this be the greatest Sunday at Valley Rise ever. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about God's purpose for your life. His plan for your life, what that looks like, the timing of God's purpose for your life. All of these things revolving around your purpose. And if you remember from the last couple of weeks, I've said your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is who you are. Your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is who you are. So when we talk about purpose, the goal of finding our true purpose is getting back to being the person that God created you to be and me to be. How many of you know, though, oftentimes life happens and you can find yourself drifting from your purpose? Now, again, remember, when I say drifting from your purpose, I'm not talking about drifting from what you do, drifting from what, what your job is. drifting. I'm talking about drifting from who God created you to be when he knit you together in your mother's womb. So I want to answer the question today of how do I keep my purpose? How do I protect the purpose that God has put inside of me? How do I continue to be who God created me to be in the midst of chaos and life and family and a world and a culture that's shifting constantly? How do I continue to be who God created me to be? Maybe you've had that thought before. Do you ever look at yourself years down the road and go, God, I'm so different than I was? And for some of you, that's a really good thing. For me, that was a great thing. For some of you, it's a bad thing. For some of you, you look back and you go, man, if I could just be who I was in high school, if I could just have the heart I had for people when I was in college, if I could just have the faith that I had, if I could just, but along the road of life sometimes, we can get lost and we can get sidetracked and things begin to cloud our vision and our purpose changes. Our purpose, maybe our purpose doesn't change, but we change and we lose sight of our purpose. Today, I want you to know that you're not the only person that's ever happened to. You're not the only person that ever struggled with this. We're going to talk about one of my favorite Bible characters today because he encountered this. He went through life, and life got confusing for him, and life happened fast, and, and there was all kind of things going on. And in the midst of it, he lost sight of who he was. But I believe that today, God is going to give us some key things that we can grab onto, some handlebars we can grab onto to protect our purpose what does that mean? To protect who God created you to be so you can do purely what God created you to do. That's the goal for all of us. The goal for all of us is discover who we are and who God created us to be. 
You know, they say there's two, the two greatest days in a man's life are the day that he's born and the day that he finds out why. Many of us have experienced that first, all of us have experienced that first day. <laughs> like many of, some of us have experienced the first one. That was a joke. Secondly, <laughs> all, but many, a lot of us have never discovered the second one, which is, God, why? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And when we ask, what is my purpose? What we're really asking is, God, what did you create me to do? What did you put on me? What did you stamp me when I was born? What am I supposed to do? How do we protect that purpose? A purposeful life, a purposeful marriage, purposeful relationships, a purposeful outlook on life. Remember, all of those come from not what you do, but who you are. And if you can get back to who God created you to be, your purpose will transcend all of those things. It will rub off on everything you touch. It will spill over into all of your relationships. It will penetrate every part of your life because it's who you are. How many of you know when you discover who God created you to be, you can't help but be anyone but that person? It's who God created you to be. I want to talk to you today about the story of Samson. Any Samson fans in here? Samson was the strongest man in the Bible, okay? Samson had supernatural God-given strength. Here's what happens. The Jewish people have, are far from God. And God sends Samson to judge the people to bring them back to God. He comes to Samson's mother and he says, listen, an angel appears to her while she's out in the field and he says, listen, you're going to have a son and this son is going to be a judge for the nation of Israel. He's going to bring the people back to me. But here's some rules that you got to have. I don't want, he actually tells her, when he's in your womb, drink no strong drink. When he's born, don't cut his hair and make sure that all of his life he doesn't touch anything dead lest he defile himself. And back then, the Israelites had all kinds of rules about what you could touch. You can't eat anything that's unclean. You can't touch dead animals. You can't. And so he begins to lay out the guidelines of this is how you're going to continue to preserve your son's purpose. Samson is born, and Samson is a man's man. Samson goes to the Philistines who are attacking the Israelites constantly. And Samson isn't just like a UFC fighter. Samson's like 10 UFC fighters, okay? Samson, it's like he picks up a jawbone and kills 300 men with the jawbone of a donkey. You're a bad man if you can kill 300 people with the jawbone of a donkey. Like, I don't know if you've ever thought some of these Bible stories out. I have. I'm like, was he fighting them one, like one-on-one? -on -one? Like, what was the, like, because I feel like 300 versus one, I like my odds. Not against Samson. Samson kills 300 men with the jawbone of a donkey. That is a dangerous man. He was the Old Testament Jason Bourne. Anything in his hands was dangerous, okay? People rolled up to him. He was just carrying a cup. They're like, put the cup down. Put the cup down. This is not good. Samson begins to judge the people of Israel, but Samson along the track also loses sight of the purpose that God had put in his heart. I want to read to you Judges 13. And the people of Israel again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Samson, this is his purpose. 
God gives him his purpose. Wouldn't it be great if an angel showed up to your parents and told you before you were born, this is their purpose, okay? This is exactly what they're going to do. That's what Samson gets. Samson gets, he doesn't have to ask the question, what am I here to do? From the time he comes out of the womb, they, he knows, hey, an angel showed up. They told us you're going to judge the nation of Israel. Here's what you're supposed to do. Don't cut your hair. Don't eat anything unclean. Don't drink any strong drink, and you'll be fine. Samson has his purpose, but along the journey, Samson's purpose begins to change. Samson begins to lose sight of his purpose. His purpose was to free Israel from the Philistines, to bring Israel back to the heart of God. But Samson loses purpose, and how does he lose it? I would like to suggest today he loses it the same way that any of us lose it. He loses it the same way that you or I lose our purpose. Today I want to give you, if you're taking notes, three purpose killers that got Samson off track and that I believe if we can heed can get us off track or keep us on track Number one, three purpose killers. Judges 14, one through three. We see Samson lose sight of his purpose for the first time right here. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah, and she looks bad. Now get her for me as my wife. How many of you know it's pretty like, pretty gutsy. He like went to his parents. He's like, that one there, get her for me. Get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my Eyes. She is right in my eyes. Number one things that will cause you to kill your purpose or lose sight of your purpose is things that look better than where you are. Things that look better than where you are. If we don't guard our vision, we're at risk of losing the vision that God gave us. If we don't guard the vision and the purpose in our life that God has given us, we're at risk of losing it as we will see Samson does shortly. Samson saw something that looked better than what he currently had. Hey, I want to encourage you today. You can guard your purpose by guarding your vision. You can guard your purpose for your family. You can guard your purpose for your job. You can guard your purpose for your children by guarding and protecting your vision. Samson looked upon something that was never intended for him and said, I want that. As I was reading it, I was so reminded of when Jesus says there's only three sins ever. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Where does Samson get caught up? He gets caught up on the lust of the eyes. He looks at something and says, that looks good, I want that. Maybe for you, it's not, maybe it's not a person, but maybe it's that job looks better than where I'm at. That relationship looks better than where I'm at. How they're living looks way better than where I'm at. Their family looks better than where I'm at. How many know God never called you to look at where they're at? God called you to look at where you're at. And God put a purpose inside of you for a reason. If we keep our own eyes on our own purpose, then what he has given us will flourish because it's what he called us to tend to. We only get in trouble when we begin to look away and think that other things look better than what I've currently got. And let me promise you this. No one has ever left to go for something that looks better and not regretted it. I talk to people all the time, and they all say the same thing. I did this because I thought I would be better off. I thought I would be better off doing this than where I was at. I thought I would be better off in this relationship, better off at this job, better off in this friendship, better off in this opportunity. I didn't listen to God. I, th I felt like I was supposed to say, but this looked 
better. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Where something looks better only to find out it's not better. God calls us to guard our vision. If we will guard our vision and not look at things that look better, but look at what is in front of us and what's in our hand, we will steward what God has given us and our purpose will continue. Number two, Judges 14.9. And I encourage you, if you love reading the Bible, even if you're in 20 days of prayer with us, go back and read this whole story because there's so much. This is a long story. There's so much I had to take out, but this story is so good. And I think it carries so many lessons for all of us. Judges 14.9. Samson is now journeying. Just so you know, let me fill in the front part of this. Samson has just fought a bunch of Philistines. He's going back to his hometown. He's hungry. He walks by, and he sees a lion dead on the side of the road. And the lion is dead, and inside of the lion, a bee's nest has formed. And there's now honey inside of the lion's carcass. And Samson looks, and he goes, that looks good, and I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat it. And he scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate but he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. What is he doing? He's doing one of the things that God said, listen, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't touch unclean things. I called you to be pure and undefiled. You, you're set apart, Samson. Don't, maybe everyone else can do this, but you can't touch this. You can't have this appetite. Second things that will kill our purpose if we don't guard it. Wrong appetites. Wrong appetites. What does that mean? Let me tell you this. An appetite is a personal thing, okay? Your appetite looks different than my appetite, looks different than his appetite, looks different than her appetite. All of us have a different appetite. Any of you have those friends that can eat anything they want and still have a six-pack? You have those friends? Any of you hate those friends like I hate those friends? Thank you. Okay, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page about hating those people, all right? I have a friend, he can just eat anything. We go to Cheesecake Factory, he's like, give me like four slices of this, the pasta. The... I'm like, dog, how do you still have a six-pack? He's like, this is just how I'm made. You know, my... And then you hope those people turn like 30 and just get fat, but they don't. They just keep. He's like, I'm like, how old are you? He's like 34. I'm like, God, I was going to use the whole when you hit 30 thing. but All of us shoot for 40, exactly. Maybe by 40, you're going downhill, bud. Um, all of us have different appetites. But God set Samson's appetite apart, and he said, Samson, here's what your appetite needs to be to maintain the set-apart desires that I have put inside of you, to maintain the purity that I've put inside of you so that you can continue to do what I've called you to do. Samson, you can't eat anything unclean. How many of you know wrong appetites will lead you in wrong places? And what you take in is what you will become. You've heard, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. That doesn't just go for food. That goes for everything that you allow into your life. Everything that you allow into your life. Your wrong appetites. What appetites do you have that maybe you can look at and go, these aren't, these aren't what God designed me to have. I was probably 13 when I had sushi for the first time. You guys like sushi? I love sushi. Okay, I could eat sushi all day long. One of my favorite foods. I didn't have sushi until I was like 13 or 14. I'm a Cajun. I'm from South Louisiana. We didn't have sushi. Like, nobody even knew what sushi was, okay? I remember 13 years old. My mom walks in the kitchen, and she has a little plastic thing of sushi. And she goes, you got to try this. And I'm like, what is it? She's like, it's sushi. I maybe heard about sushi on movies or something. I don't know. Again, South Louisiana, we weren't eating sushi. We were eating, like, crawfish etouffee and, like, I don't know, just chicken fricassee and anything that ends with an A. Like, I don't <laughs> but not sushi. And so she goes, you got to try this. 
So I tried, and I, I mean, this kind of looks weird, and this is, you know, the uncooked fish, and all this stuff that as a kid, you're just thinking, like, isn't this bad? You're supposed to cook this food. So I eat it, and I immediately realize I love this thing called sushi. How I many you know I never had an appetite for sushi before I tasted sushi? I never had an appetite for sushi until I tasted sushi, which means there are things that God never intends for you to taste lest you get an appetite for them. There are things that God never intended for you to taste lest you develop an appetite for them and can't control your appetite. What I love about 21 days of prayer, when we do it in January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I always tell people the greatest thing about fasting is if you can tell your body no in one area, you can tell it no in any area. Fasting for me is a discipline of going, if I can say no to my body in this area, then I'll be able to say no when other temptations come. If I can say no to the appetite, then I can say no to this relationship. I can say no to looking at this. I can say no to acting this way. If I can say no in one area and discipline my body, I can discipline my body in every area. We've got to guard the appetites that we allow in because God never intended us to have some appetites. The world says take anything you want, try everything, do it all, experience. You know what happens when you learn by experience? You get the test first and the lesson last. When you learn by experience, you get the test first and the lesson last, which is never how God intended us to live. He intended us to live by wisdom and get the lesson first. Okay, God, here's what you've called me to do. Then when the test comes, we go, no, this is what God called me to do. And so now I know how to pass this test. Experience is the teacher for fools. And I say that as someone who learned a lot by experience. That I wish, and anyone who learned by experience always says the same thing. Don't do what I did. Don't try it the way I tried it. And every time I meet somebody like that, I go, well, have you changed anything? Are you still, are you still learning by experience? Because oftentimes until we decide that we want to take the test the right way, we will continue to take the test first and learn the lessons of life second. There are some appetites that God never intended you to have. They're purpose killers. There's things we allow in our lives, appetites for things that will kill the purpose and the design that God put inside of you. It'll stipend what God desires for you to use. Number three, Judges 16. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah. And the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies. The Philistines are trying to figure out, how do we stop Samson? How do we stop this guy? He's killing all our men. Doesn't matter what we do, he's killing everybody. How do we stop him? There's got to be a secret to take away his strength. So they said, find out where his strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. First of all, I just want to say, I feel like Samson wasn't very smart, okay? Because if, if like one of these Philistine women that I'm fighting all of her friends and family and relative is like just, like, just in case we wanted to know how we could capture you, what would be the way that we could capture you? Like, <laughs> like how stupid do you got to be? Like, if I'm Samson, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm going to find me another woman. Samson doesn't. And Samson learns the hard lesson. 
The hard lesson, number three, wrong people will take you away from your purpose. Wrong people will take you away from your purpose. It can be a wrong relationship. It can be a wrong friendship. It can be a wrong marriage. It can be a wrong coworker. It can be a wrong, but wrong people that don't have your best interests will always pull you further to what their purpose is and far, closer to what their purpose is and further from what your purpose is. God's design is that we would surround, and listen to me, y'all know, I've told you, I hang out with a lot of lost people. I'm not against hanging out with lost people. I am against allowing lost people to pull me closer to their purpose than to my purpose. I know who I am. When I get around lost people, they go, well, why don't we do this? Hey, that's not who I am. That's cool for you. I love you. I'm going to still love you all day. That's not who I am. I've got to be around people that build my purpose up. I've got to have friends in my life, and I do, that I love so dearly that remind me, hey, that's not you. That doesn't look good on you. Hey, when you said that, that wasn't right. Don't say that. Why? Because I need people around me that push me closer to my purpose and not closer to their purpose. Wrong people. What was Delilah's purpose? Delilah's purpose was to find out how to subdue Samson. Samson's purpose was to judge her people. So Samson's at the wrong place with the wrong person who has the wrong purpose, and he learns a hard lesson. Judges 16, 9. And the Philistines, she made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Samson, she goes, they go through this. You need to read the story. They go through this about three times. Samson tells her first, if you weave my hair into a loom, it'll take my strength. So she does it. She says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, breaks off the loom, kills the Philistines. Delilah goes, why would you lie to me? Do you really love me? He goes, yes, I love you. She goes, well, then tell me how to take your strength. Which, again, I'm just like Samson. Where, what were you thinking, dog? Like, tell me how to take your strength. So he tells her a different thing. She tries it three times. Finally, this time, she gets so furious. She goes, you don't love me. I'm leaving. You don't, unless you tell me what your strength really is. So finally, he tells him, you shave my head, I'll lose my strength. So she made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. How many of you know you will always be tormented when you walk away from the purpose that God created you for? You will always be tormented when you walk away from the purpose that God created you for. You'll be tormented because you'll see someone else doing it and go, God, God, I was supposed to be doing that. That was me. God designed me for that. It breaks my heart every time I see athletes that are phenomenal athletes. One of my favorite 30 for 30s, for any of you sports lovers, is one called The Greatest That Never Was. Have you guys ever seen it? The Greatest That Never Was? It's about Marcus Dupree. He played for Oklahoma, so all you Texas fans should know who he is. And he was phenomenal. He was the next Bo Jackson, breaking everybody's records. Go watch it. It was next level. The guy was unbelievable. He was a man playing amongst boys. He had one bad concussion in the game, was emotionally kind of all over the place, walks off the team bus when they get home, and never comes back. <clears throat> They follow him, they find him, track him down now, and he's, he lives in like some trailer in the middle of Alabama and just does his thing. And, and they begin to unravel the story of, hey, how did, what happened? What, how did you walk away? You were better than everybody. Shoe in, first pick of the draft, everything. What happened? What happened? He lost his purpose. He was the greatest that never was. And if we will walk away from our purpose, sometimes we look back and we'll be the greatest that never was. 
that God designed you to do something better than anyone else could ever do it. But because we get strayed from our purpose, we get pulled from who we really are, we never walk in the destiny that God actually has for us. God created you to do something that no one else but you can do. I know it's hard to believe that. I know we live in a society that tells us kind of just to all do the same stuff and all be the same way and just fall in line. and Everybody's got to have the same this and the same that. Everybody's got to have an iPhone. And by the way, everyone should have an iPhone because if you're the green person in the group text, you know, I mean, that's frustrating. But whatever. Be the same way as everybody else. And God goes, no, I, that's not how I intended you to be. Remember, the goal of the enemy is always to steal the purpose that God has inside of you. So the enemy goes, and, and let me remind you, the enemy doesn't just come to kill you. The Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And sometimes we thank God that we haven't been killed by the enemy when really the enemy wasn't coming to kill you. He was coming to steal your purpose. And so you're rejoicing that you're not dead, but the enemy is going, I was never trying to kill you. I just wanted to take what God created you to do. He comes to steal your purpose. And the more that we fall into the trap of I'm just like everybody else, the closer we take steps to the enemy's plan and the further away we take steps from God's plan, which is you were uniquely and wonderfully created and made. I knit you together and put purpose inside of you in your mother's womb. There is something you do better than anyone else on this planet. How do we stay holding on to the purpose that God put inside of us? we got to guard against things that look better. we got to guard our appetites. And then three, we've got to guard ourselves from the wrong people. Wrong relationships will take everything from you and leave nothing for you. Wrong relationships will take everything from you and leave nothing for you. Have you ever been in a relationship like that? Have you ever been in a relationship looking back that you go, God, that was, they didn't want what was best for me. They took everything from me and left nothing for me. Wrong relationships, just like we see with Samson, will always bring more torment than rest. They will always bring more torment than rest. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there may be one of you here that's holding on to some relationship that's causing you more torment than rest. And you're wrestling with it and going, why is it this difficult? Why is it this hard? Why, God, I want to. And God's going, listen, until you step away from that torment and into rest, you'll never walk fully in the purpose that I created you for. God's desire is that your relationships would bring you rest and push you closer to your purpose, not torment you. Judges 16, 21. They capture Samson, and the Philistines seize him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. Stop right there. Manuel, you can come up. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. You know what happens when you walk away from your purpose? You lose your vision. You lose the vision that God once gave you for your life. You lose the vision. Maybe once when you were young, you had all these dreams and ideas of how you were going to take on the world. But over time, life and responsibilities and other things that maybe you shouldn't have allowed in, wrong appetites or wrong people or not guarding your eyes, pulled away those dreams from you. What happens when we don't guard our purpose? We lose the vision that God gave us for our life. And where does Samson end up? Samson ends up the same place we end up when we don't guard our purpose. He's just pushing a mill. He's working at a mill, grinding a mill. Back in the Old Testament, they had, it was two stones. 
And they would take the wheat and put it on the bottom stone. And they would take another huge stone, put it on top. Someone would turn it. And as they turned it, it would grind the wheat down into flour. So that's how they made flour. So Samson is in this jail cell just grinding, just working it on the mill, just grinding this thing, blind, blind. You ever feel like that? Just grinding the mill, going to work, doing this. I don't really like it. I said, well, God, if I could do something else, I would, but I just, just grind in the mill, grind in the mill, blind because we've walked away from our purpose, unable to see the vision God has for our life, unable to see what he created us for anymore because we didn't guard the purpose that he put inside of our hearts. And he's grinding this mill. But how many of you know that God is always a God of redemption? God's desire for all of our lives, from Samson to you, is to ultimately redeem you back to him. Redeem you back to your original purpose. I love it, because what this says about the heart of God is this was God's heart even before Jesus. When Jesus came, it was a game changer for us. But this was God's heart before Jesus even ever came. God was constantly trying to find ways to redeem people back to their original purpose. And I love the last line of this verse. It gives me so much hope. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. The hair of his head began to grow again. Purpose began to come back. He pushed the mill too long. He was blind too long. And all of a sudden, purpose began to come back inside of him. This isn't what God created me for. I've got more in me. I've got something to live for. I might be blind, but I think my hair's grown back. I think God's going to use me again. I think I can have a purpose again. I think I can fulfill what he called me to. The conversation Samson must have had with himself in the pit while he's grinding the mill. God, we're never going to do that again. I should have never had wrong appetites. God, I should have guarded my eyes shouldn't have let these people in my life. He's learning by experience what God intended him to learn through wisdom. But his hair began to grow back. They take Samson out. They take Samson out and they call him. They say they're having a big festival. And in this festival, they're sacrificing to their pagan God. And they're pumped because they now have the defender of Israel chained up, blind, grinding their wheat. And say, they say, bring Samson out so he can entertain us. Bring Samson out so he can entertain us. The guy that's killed your family members, the guy that killed your friends, the guy that hurt us all this time. Now we got him, bring him out so we can torment him and mock him. And they bring Samson out and it says Samson entertains them. And then they chain Samson to a pillar. And Samson all of a sudden realizes, I think, I think I'm strong again. I think that maybe I still have what God created me for. That, that my hair's long again. I think I've got strength again. I've been, I've been in a season of no purpose, but all of a sudden I feel purpose back inside of me again. And he says to a little boy near him, can you put my hands on the pillars of this palace? And the, the little boy put Samson's hands on the two pillars on his right and on his left of the palace. And it says that there were 3,000 Philistines there. And Samson prays a prayer and he says, God, if one more time you could just revive my purpose, if one more time, God, I could do what you created me to do, if one more time I can be who you created me to be, God, 
just one more time. And Samson strains against the pillars and pushes the pillars down. The palace collapses. And it says on that day, Samson killed more men then than he had in his entire life. How many of you know God can redeem anything? And he doesn't just redeem it. He goes over and above and beyond. And he goes, listen, not only am I going to redeem the purpose you lost, but I'm going to make it to make up for every time that you missed out on your purpose. That is a good God. That is a good God. And it is a God, the same God who put purpose inside of you. And I don't care where you are today. I don't care how far you feel from your purpose. I don't care if you haven't walked in a church in years. If maybe you feel like I don't even know who I am. God has a desire to redeem your purpose in your life. He has a desire for you to dream again. He has a desire for your hair to grow back. For strength to come back into you. So that you can accomplish what he put you on this earth to accomplish. It's a great place to clap again. Today, you may be here and you feel like that. You a Christian? It's been a long time since I felt purposeful. Since I felt excited about what I was doing. Since I woke up in the morning knowing I was exactly where God created me to be. Today, that can all change. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so grateful that you're a redeemer. God, you are a redeemer. You can take the worst of situations and turn them into the best of situations. You can take what seems hopeless and turn it in, God, to what is amazing. Only you, God, can do that. We can't do that. Work can't do that. Jobs can't do that. Relationships can't do that. God, only you can do that. Today, God, we just want to thank you. Thank you for building purpose in us. Thank you for preserving purpose in us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your master plan, God. That we get to reach the world around us. God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Today, God, we ask that you would restore purpose in our hearts. God, if we've walked away from it, bring us back. If we've strayed somehow, God, we want to come running close to you. And we know that as we run to you, Jesus, you always revive inside of us the things that you created us for. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, normally we just do a salvation prayer, but I want to pray for those of you because I think it's so key that maybe today you're going, Christian, that's me. I haven't felt purposeful in a long time. I haven't felt like I was doing what I was created to do in a long time. But I want to live differently. I want to live purposefully. I want to guard my purpose this time. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can just pray for you? Amen, 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 amen. You can put your hands down. God, you see each and every hand. God, you know what you created them for. You know what they built, what you built them for. You know the desires of their heart. You know their personality type. You know the number of hairs on their head, God. I pray that you would release purpose inside of them today. I pray that you would release new life inside of them today, God. That just this Samson's hair grow, grew back, their purpose would begin to grow back inside of them. They would feel new life and creativity and excitement begin to sprout up inside of them, God. And knowing that no matter what it is you've called them to, if you've called them to it, you'll provide for it. God, I pray today 
Today's the day they turn the purpose corner. Today's the day they run close to you, Jesus. Remind them of their purpose. Awaken things in their heart, God, that have been dead a long time. Let their hair begin to grow back today, God. Like only you can. Jesus, today I pray purpose inside of each and every person here. That they'd wake up tomorrow morning with a new sense of excitement. New dreams inside of their heart. And as they begin to walk the journey of just being themselves, being who you created them to be, God, that you will open doors they could never dream about. That you'll guide them back to their purpose, God, like only you can. Now, there's some of you here today that maybe you go, Christian, that sounds great, but I've never even had that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been to church, you've experienced religion, but you've never had a genuine relationship with Jesus. A relationship based out of your desire and love for him, not out of obligation, not out of what you gotta do for church, but out of a desire just to fall in love with Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus, but I just wanna pray for you to be able to start that journey today. If that's you and you say, Christian, that's me today, I want to start that journey. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray this together. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. You can pray it under your breath. As long as you mean it, that's what I ask. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realized how deeply I need you. I know that you hold the key to my purpose. You hold the key to my salvation. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. Then I believe that you died on the cross, a death I should have died, so that I didn't have to pay that price. And then I believe that you rose from the dead to give me new life and freedom. Today, Jesus, I allow you to pay my sin bill. I become a follower of Jesus today. And I commit to following you all the days of my life. Now, God, I just pray that you would seal that up in each and every person's heart. God, that they would continue to press forward into you, that they would lay their head on the pillow tonight and feel your presence like maybe they never have, that your peace would be inside of them, God, that your new life would sprout up inside of them, that as they become spiritually alive, God, their appetite for the things that are spiritual, their appetite for the things that are godly and holy would begin to sprout forth and bring life change inside of them. God, thank you so much for each and every person here. Bless them and keep them. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.